And now, Lord, we've come to the time in this service where we stop, look, and give attention to what your word has to say to us. We believe that this word was divinely inspired, God-breathed. We believe that it is inerrant, that it is infallible, and that it is eternal. We ask you, O oh God, to give us clarity, give us the anointing that makes the difference. Give us, O oh Lord, receptive ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Touch us now at this moment and let the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17 if you have your Bibles and you'd like to read along with me. Jesus was a very busy individual. Every day was chocked full of all kind of activities and uh, meetings with all kinds of people. Every one from demonically possessed individuals all the way to palsied people laying by a pool at Bethesda. The Lord Jesus was continually going about. In fact, 1038 of Acts says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were sick. Can you say all that were sick? All that were sick. I reckon how many all is. You reckon if Jesus walked into a place where there were sick people, he healed them all? Yeah. Healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Tells us some things, doesn't it? That it's possible to be oppressed by the devil, not possessed, but oppressed. That his schemes and his devices can be used to oppress us. Fear is the companion of oppression. Dread, worry, anxiety, frustration, disillusionment goes along with oppression from the devil. There's one way to get deliverance from that. What is that, Pastor? How can I get Number one, God hath not given us a spirit of fear. So it's not God's will that you be oppressed. It's not God's will that the launch, uh, Satan launches a successful attack against you to oppress you. That is not the will of God. But that in all things, all things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. So then deliverance from evil devices that Satan would try to use against us. In fact, the Bible says we are not ignorant concerning Satan's devices. But boy, sometimes we sure act like we are, don't we? Sometimes we just act like that's something we can't do anything about. But the Bible said if you would resist, don't accept what's trying to force its way in you and on you. Refuse to go along with the scheme. Refuse to accept the device. 
refuse to be dominated by an oppression. The Lord doesn't want you to be oppressed. He wants you to be free. And they quoted it this morning, Brother Ford. I did. Free indeed. Free in Christ. He that is free in Jesus is free indeed. I think we ought to be thankful for freedom today, don't you? I think uh, maybe instead of the turkey, we ought to get a large helping of the freedom that God gives us. Freedom that Jesus gives. Grace that Jesus gives. Forgiveness that Jesus gives. Boy, that's something we ought to really be thankful about. Um, probably above everything else. Probably above the house we have or the car we drive or the clothes we wear. Probably above that should be our thanksgiving to God for salvation by grace. For being free in Christ and being available for God's blessing and God's help in our lives. Luke 17 verse 11. And it came to pass... As Jesus went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, I need to tell you that being a Samaritan was not a popular thing. Someone may ask, where did these Samaritans come from? And how did they get left out of the city of Jerusalem and live in their own community that is named Samaria? that Samaritans live in Samaria. What Jesus said one time, he said, we must needs go through Samaria. Most Jewish people on their way north to the northern region of uh, Galilee, they, they went around Samaria. They wouldn't even go through it. Samaritans were considered as little more than animals. How did there get to be a group of people that were so lowly regarded by the Jewish people. Well, back during the captivity in the Old Testament uh, in Second Chronicles, when the Babylonian king came in and took all the healthy, good-looking, strong folks, they left all the diseased folks and left all the folks that uh, weren't ambulatory and folks that were uh, not uh, totally there, as we would call it. And the Bible said they were left there. Well, there were many of them that were at the mercy of whatever happened and who, wherever they could find food. And the Bible said they married, uh, inter marrying other Samaritans, and they married the people of the area where they were, and they mixed Jewish blood. So then when the Jews came back 70 years later, they had a very serious disdain for all the Sumerians. In fact, they hated them and despised them because they had mixed Jewish blood. Wow. I'm glad Jesus is a Savior of the world. And I'm glad that Jesus died for everybody. And I'm glad that Jesus doesn't consider anyone ineligible to receive his salvation by grace. So Jesus is passing through Samaria, something no other Jewish person would do. So as he's passing through a place where others would not go, he met some people that
that other people would not know either. We don't have any names. They're just called ten lepers. And boy, does that tell us a lot in just those few words, that they were ten in number and that every one of them was a leper. Leprosy is that terrible disease that people's flesh just literally rotted off their bones. Most of the time you could tell them because they were bandaged all over. Most of the time they were spotted with blood and pus and infection that flowed from their wounds. It was a terrible plague. It was an awful disease. It was a debilitating disease. And as a debilitating disease that was contagious, they were isolated. And they chose to live in little colonies of their own. Isolated, desolate, despondent, ostracized, and Jesus passes through. Glory to God. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. The law said no leper could get within 50 feet of a, quote, whole person, unquote. 50 feet, you had to keep your distance. If you were on a road and you were walking and you met someone that was not a leper, you had to get off the road and get over in the ditch and allow the, quote, whole, unquote, people to pass. Oh, it was a life of misery. It was a life of terrible embarrassment. It was a, 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 an emotional nightmare to go through to be avoided by everybody. That you didn't get a kind word from anybody but a, a, a shout. Get out of the way. Turn to the side. In fact, another law concerning lepers is what when they saw you coming and got within 50 feet of them, they had to cry, unclean, unclean, unclean. So that they let everybody know of their condition. And Jesus, as he walked into a village, a certain village in Samaria, he met these ten men that were lepers which stood 50 feet afar off. And they lifted up their voices. Thank be to God there's a cry out in there. You remember I told you that things start picking up when there's a cry out? As he entered in, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus... Master, have mercy on us. Mercy is the seedbed of grace. Have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, as they obeyed, as they did what Jesus said do, they were cleansed. Boy, that's a good statement right there. When they did what Jesus said to do, they were actually in the business of going and doing what Jesus just said to them. 
Healed yet? No. Cleansed yet? No. Acceptable yet? No. But Jesus said, go, and they got up and went. What faith. You see, faith is nothing but making what Jesus says what you say. Faith is nothing but a positive response to the Word of God. For Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So then when the Word of God is preached, there is the potential there for faith to take hold. And when you respond with activity that is obedient to what Jesus says do, a miracle happens. A change happens. Thanks be to God. Isn't that wonderful that these, these lepers started on their way to the priest? I'll tell you why in just a minute. But they were on their way to the priest, and on their way, they were healed. On their way, they were healed. Doing what God said do, they were healed. Boy, wouldn't that be something for us if we could understand, Lord, it hadn't happened yet. I don't know how it's going to happen. You don't have to explain it to me. I just know that you said it and I believe it and I obey it and I'm going to do what you said for me to do and the miracle is in your hands. The healing is in your hands. The blessing is in your hands. I'm just going to obey you and do what you said do. God pours out miracles and blessings upon people who obey him. People that do what he says to do. Oh, you, you take God's word and brother, there is all potential for miracles to take place. When that little woman was gathering her oil and her sticks, she had a pinch of meal in the barrel and a drop of oil in a cruise. And the man of God, God said, you go to her house and I'll feed you. Wait a minute, God, there's nothing at her house. She's only got a drop or two of oil and she's only got a little bit of meal to make a hoe cake out of. Lord, how in the world are you going to feed the prophet at a woman's house that hadn't got enough for her and her son? And besides that, she's so defeated in her own spirit, she said, me and my son are just going to eat this last little bite and then we're going to die. But when the man of God showed up, he said, fix me a, a cake. And she said to him, sir, I don't have enough to do that. But said, but at thy word. But at thy word. But at thy word. And the Bible said the rest of the famine, the oil never gave out. And there was always meal in the barrel. You see, when you do what God says to do, when that blind man came to Jesus and he said to Jesus in John 9, he said, Jesus passed by and the disciples said, Lord, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither hath this man nor his parents sinned that he was born blind, but that the works of him that sent me 
might be made manifest in him. And the Bible said, and having thus spoken, Jesus spat upon the ground. And he knelt down and began to make clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man. I hear someone sitting out there saying he wouldn't have put that nasty stuff on me. But as he rubbed that clay on their blind man's eyes, and then he said, Now go and wash in the pool that is called Siloam, and you will be healed. Immediately the guy said, Somebody, anybody, come and take me and get me to that pool at Siloam. Well, we know a, a closer one than that. It's, it's just around the corner here. No, that one won't do. He said, Siloam. And a little boy came up and took him by the hand and said, I'll take you there. And as they traveled down the street, people no doubt made their insinuations and made their snide remarks. Yeah, ha, ha, ha. I'm going to get your eyes open. Ha, ha, ha. He said, son, don't you pay any attention to them. You get me to Siloam. I need to get to Siloam. And the Bible said when he got there, he washed. And immediately for the first time, Susan, he looked into that water and he saw his reflection for the very first time. And he raised up and he said, it's so. What he said is so. You see, when you do what he says, then you'll experience what he gives. When you're obedient and follow his instructions, you'll come in contact with the blessing he intends for you. It's obedience. It's about doing the right things. Faith follows function. When you function, then faith will follow that function. In other words, do right, walk right, talk right, live right, and then function will follow that. Faith will follow that. When the Bible said at the gate, which is called beautiful, there was a man that had lay there for years and years, and Peter and John passed by, and he stuck his cup up and said, alms, he had no potential, no way to navigate. The Bible said they came and laid him at the gate. He couldn't even walk to get there. He couldn't work to feed his family. And he asked, alms, can you help a poor, poor man that's as wretched as I am? Is there any compassion in your heart? Can, can you do anything to help me? And Peter, the Bible said, fasting his eyes upon him, said to him these words. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible said, and Peter reached down and took him by the hand. And when function started, then faith started. When function took hold and when obedience took hold, then faith followed. And the Bible said, and immediately he leaping up stood and received his healing. A man lay at the pool of Bethesda 38 years can you imagine laying on a cot 38 years the Bible said waiting 
waiting for the moving of the water. For The Bible said at a certain season an angel would come down and stir the water and whoever first got in was healed. And Jesus looked at him and he said, Wilt thou be made whole? He said, Sir, I don't have anybody. Poor me. 38 times I've tried to get in that pool and somebody always beats me. 38 years at the season, I've tried my best to get there. I can't do it by myself and nobody would ever put me in the pool. And Jesus said, If thou wilt be made whole, arise and take up thy bed and walk. Jesus knew he couldn't walk. Jesus knew he had no strength or power, but when he started functioning, faith followed function, and the next thing you know, he's standing up on his feet carrying his bed. These lepers said, Mercy, have mercy upon us. And Jesus, when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, Peter, James, John, how many got healed? Ten, Lord, there was ten of them. And Jesus said, and only this one said, I'm going to have a thanksgiving. Nine saw nothing to be thankful for. There was only one that said, I'm going to have a thanksgiving. Only one could say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving to me thy great salvation so full and free. I was a leper. I was cleansed. I was isolated. I was destitute. I was despondent. I had no friends of any kind anywhere. I was under a curse of death. I was under a, a terrible load of despair. And Jesus came by and changed all of that and healed me and made me brand new, gave me another body. You see, all ten of those people got a new body that day. But there was only one that got a new heart. Ten got healed and got a new body, but only one got a new heart. And brother, when he got a new heart, his heart was a heart of thanksgiving and love for the Lord Jesus. Love for the Lord Jesus. I think all of us, more than anything else, should be thankful for what God has done in our life. Thanksgiving Day is considered to be the doorway to the holiday season. The history books would tell us that the observance of a day of Thanksgiving was first held in 1611 
after the winter of 1610 had reduced the number of settlers from 406 to 60. They prayed for help and asked God to deliver and to provide for them. And God answered in the form of a ship that was filled with food and supplies from England. And they said, we need to have a thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, 406, and now there's 60 of you? And you're going to have a thanksgiving? They said, well, we choose not to major on the negative. We, we choose not to dwell on the negative. The positive is a ship got here and it had food on it. And we feel like that was an answer to prayer. So we're going to have a thanksgiving and we're going to thank God that that ship made it and got to us. You see, there are a lot of things that are wrong right now in this world. Right now in our country, there are things that are, that are wrong. Right now, there's, there's things in our world that is wrong, that God is grieved because that's going on. But at the same time, you can be thankful today because you don't have to major on the negatives. You can major on the positives. And you can say, yes, I know gas is nearly $4 a gallon. Yes, I know, I know, yeah, I know. But at the same time, you can say, but God is great and God is good and I've got a roof over my head and I've got clothes on my back and I've got shoes on my feet and I've got food on my table and the love of God is in my heart and the peace of God that passes understanding is my companion. I've got joy in the Holy Ghost. I've got, got peace that, that passes all understanding, this joy that's unspeakable, that's full of glory. And I just choose to have a Thanksgiving day and thank God for all of that that's going on in my life. In 1621, another band of 46 Puritans and 91 Native Americans. Thank you, God, that we got in on that too. 91 Native Americans held a special day of Thanksgiving to praise the Lord for a bountiful harvest. The previous winter had reduced their number from 102 to 46. We may wonder what they had to be thankful for. The one thing they had to be thankful for was God's wonderful saving grace. The nation's first president, George Washington, called for a national day of thanksgiving in 1789. And it was President Lincoln who established that the last Thursday of November would be the day of thanksgiving in America. And Congress finally made it official and part of our legal system that we would use the last fourth Thursday, rather, in November as Thanksgiving. And as we look around us, we see many of those religious traditions that were so much a part of who we were and how we were founded and what the intention was. But we're seeing those things come under attack now as if this nation doesn't want anything to do with God anymore. It seems as if we're distancing ourselves from thanksgiving and recogni any recognition of God. But this Bible that I preach out of says this, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. Righteousness exalteth the nation, 
but sin is a reproach unto any people. Blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord. Simple things like Pledge of Allegiance. In God we trust on our coinage. The Christmas season, the Ten Commandments, the Thanksgiving Day are all under attack. All under attack. But I want to tell you this. There's a God in heaven. And that God in heaven is not unaware of what's going on. And I want to tell you there's some people in this nation that love God. And there's some people in this nation that love the Word of God. There's some people in this nation that, that are committed to the Word of God and to the will of God for our, our lives. And we want that. And we need that more than anything else. And I want to tell you, this nation is better with us here. Praying people are the salt of the earth. Worshiping people are the light of the world. And we are right now what's holding this whole thing together. And as I preached in our series, there's going to come a time when we're not going to be here. And just look what happens to this world when we're gone. It just goes into one rot and decay after the people of God are gone. I want to tell you, the Bible said that we're the jewels of God. And he said, in that day when I make up my jewels, they shall be mine. God says, you're the apple of my eye. Me? You mean me? You mean God has an opinion of me? What opinion does he have? He loves you. He's excited about the good things that go on in your life. He's happy about the things that you have got in your life. Wow. God loves you. You're the apple of his eye. He said, you are a unique treasure unto me. God loves you and values you. Buddy, that was a good one right there. Somebody ought to have been in the aisle. Thank you, Lord, that you value me. Thank you, God, that you think something of me. Thank you, God, that I was nothing and a nobody going to nowhere. And you turned me around and gave me a life and gave me a purpose and gave me a promise and a home in heaven and my name written in the Lamb's book of life. You gave me eternal life, eternal joy, eternal peace. Thank you, God, that you care about me. The Bible said he not only cares about you, it says he is touched by the feeling of your infirmities. That when you're weak, when you're going through a difficult time and you're suffering infirmities, and that's not necessarily sickness, that the Bible said God is touched by your feelings, by your emotions. He's touched by those things. In this passion from, passage from Luke 17, we find a, a man who is in a serious minority. He's a grateful man who shows us where the real cause for thanksgiving is. To be sure, it's a good thing to be thankful for the material things, 
But as in this case, as in most things, there are spiritual things that are much more valuable than the tangible physical things. And most prominent reason for thanksgiving is to celebrate the greatest blessing of all blessings and that's to know the Lord Jesus and the free pardon of sins by grace through faith you see in Israel when a person seemed to have symptoms then he was to go to the priest and show himself to the priest in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 33, And the priest shall look on the plague and the skin of the flesh. And when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look on him and shall pronounce him unclean. You see, leprosy is a, a symbol and a type of sin. In the Bible there was a time when God looked at us and said unclean Job said I was born in sin and in sin did my mother conceive me the Bible said for all have sinned Romans 3 23 all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in other words we all were lepers all of us were deemed unclean, but God. Hallelujah. Oh, Brother Jolly, you say, whoop, whoop, whoop. I think that deserves a whoop. But God, who is rich in mercy, with his great love, wherewith he loved us, even while we were dead in sin, hath quickened us, gave us new life, quickened us together with Christ, and hath raised us up together with Christ, and made us to sit together. When we used to couldn't sit together, now since Jesus came, we can sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for giving me new life. Thank you that when I was deemed unclean, you washed me. You washed me. You washed me. Well, what was the detergent, Pastor? Washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus. Are you washed in the blood? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, no blood stains, no pus, no infection? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? For you know that you were not born again of corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Therefore now we have peace with God through the blood of his cross. Oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow, though your sins were as scarlet, they shall be white like wool. Though your iniquities were as crimson, they shall be white like wool. 
thanks be to God who took me when I was nasty and dirty and took me when I was unclean and washed me and cleaned me up and put good clothes on me. And one of the things he put on me was a garment of praise. Have you got your garment of praise? Do you wear your garment of praise? Do you cherish your garment? Is it your favorite thing in the closet, that garment of praise? Yeah, I know about the whole armor of God. I know about that, but have you got that garment of praise? Hey, you need to put that garment of praise with that whole armor because when you fight and win a battle, you need to give praise to the Lord for seeing you through it. When you have a, a, a need and he supplies it, you need to have on a garment of praise that you say, thank you, God, for supplying my need. When you're sick and you need healing, oh, yes, have you got a garment of praise that says, thank you, Lord, for healing my body. Thank you, God, for supplying my need. Thank you, God, for giving me salvation through Jesus. Yeah, that priest was the one that said you were either clean or unclean. Leprosy isolates, Leviticus 13, 46. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. You see, sin does that to people too. It isolates them. It puts them in bondage. It limits their participation. It isolates them and puts them away from the camp. Without the camp shall be his habitation. How many people have I known over the years that sin isolated them? It so wrecked and ruined and marred their lives. And the devil loves to do that kind of terrible atrocity to people. I knew a great pastor when I was a kid. My dad and he used to preach for one another when I was a, a kid. If I called his name, Ann, you would know who I'm talking about. Well, I don't reckon anybody knows Billy Stewart. Boy, what a preacher. Pastored Governor's Drive and Huntsville, one of the great churches. And everyone would talk about how great a preacher Billy Stewart was. Everyone would talk about how his command of Scripture and how he could preach under an anointing that was so powerful you knew you'd been in the presence of God when he preached. I grew up and I started preaching when I was 18 years old and I went to preach a revival at Forest Hill, Brother Ford. And a lady called me. Her name was Danella. And she said, Brother Jerry, said if my dad finds out you're in town, he'll try to contact you. But said, don't give him any money. Said he's just a drunkard. That was Billy Stewart. You see, the devil can tear you down from a lofty place and embarrass you in front of everybody. 
The devil can take you from a mighty worker in the hand of God and reduce you to just a drunkard and just a, a beggar. Don't give him any money. He'll just buy more booze. You see, sin isolates and sin puts people outside the camp. And these people were defiled, they were distanced, and they were doomed, those who were afflicted by it. But then they cried out. They cried out. First thing they did was cry out. Jesus! Master! Master! How did you know to call him that? Master! Because he's a seawalker. Because he's a blind man healer. He's a storm, storm stopper. He's a deaf ear opener. He's a palsied limb straightener. He's a call into the tomb and call out the dead. He's a master. Master. Have mercy upon us. How'd you hear about him that would cause you to cry out? Well, I knew that little woman that was bowed together and couldn't lift up herself. And she heard that Jesus was passing by. And the Bible said she went to Jesus and she touched him. And the Bible said and immediately she was made straight. Well, I knew that, that woman over there that had that issue of blood. And she had said, if I can just touch the border of his garment... I will be made whole. And she heard Jesus was coming by. And she got in the throng and she elbowed her way around. And she finally got close enough that she reached and she stretched and she touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood dried up. And Jesus looked at her and said, Thy faith hath made thee whole. One another said, well, I heard about a little boy that had died over at Nain. And there was his mother, the widow that was walking behind the funeral procession. And Jesus came by and Jesus stopped the procession. And Jesus walked over to the casket. And Jesus took the little boy by the hand and brought life back to him and resurrected him. And he got up out of that casket and went home with his mama. That's how I heard about him. Everybody's talking about him. The Bible said the fame of him went throughout the whole country. I heard that he cleansed the leper. One who went to him one day and he just simply said, Lord, if thou wilt. Thou canst make me clean. And Jesus just simply said, I will be thou clean. And immediately, his skin dried up. 
his skin dried up. How did you hear about him? I heard what all he has done for others. And if he can do that for others, he can do that for me. And the Bible said all ten of them cried out and said, Lord, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon us. You remember that night you cried out? You remember that night when you were unclean? You remember that night when you were isolated? When you were depraved and when you were cast out? When you were cast down and had no hope, couldn't do anything to help yourself? But Jesus passed by and may have been a gospel sermon or it may have been a missionary or it may have been a, a layman that was witnessing for God. It may have been a song that was sung on the radio, but Jesus passed by. And when Jesus passed by, you cried out and said, Oh, Jesus, have mercy upon me, a sinner. There was a cry out. And brother, when there's a cry out, there's always a breakout. Always a breakout. Stand with me, please. Master, chief commander, one who has the power to deliver. And that same Jesus this morning is saying, come unto me. Have you cried out yet? Come unto me. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. John 14 and 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. Acts 16, 31, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Thou and thy household, and thou shalt be saved. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. This Thanksgiving season, I pray that you'll make a new commitment. Lord, I'm going to be a better praiser this year. Lord, I'm going to be a Thanksgiving, a thanks-living person this year. And I would... I would suggest to you when you gather your family around the Thanksgiving meal, and after you've prayed the prayer, if you'd say to them, family, are we sure that all of us is in? Are we sure that all of us is ready? Oh, I don't want to interrupt that, that meal, Pastor. You would be doing somebody the greatest favor ever. You would be doing something that God would be pleased with. The Bible said you may just save a soul from hell. A young man who had lived a life of debauchery. His mother lay dying. And that boy's sister walked over to that dying mother she said, Judy said, you've been a sweet daughter. You've been a good daughter. You've never 
done anything to hurt me in any way and said, I love you so much and thank God for you. And I'm going to say goodbye to you here, but I'll say good morning to you on the other side. Another brother walked around and she said, son, you've been a good son. I thank God for you. Many years ago, you gave your life to God. You've lived all these years for the Lord Jesus, and I'm so proud of you, and I love you so much, and I'm going to say goodbye to you. But I'll say good morning. Billy ran over to his mother's bedside, and she just took him by the hand, and she said, Goodbye, Bill. Wait a minute, Mama. You said to Judy that you'd say good morning to him. You didn't say that to me. Said, Billy, much as I've talked to you and prayed for you, you've never given your life to God. And by that bedside, that boy knelt down. You see, the best thing you can do for anybody that's lost is to remind them that there is a Savior. There is a Savior. There is a Savior. For each tomorrow, for yesterday, there is a Savior who lights the way. That's one of the songs that's going to be sung at my funeral. There is a Savior. There is a Savior. There is a Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Sing it with me. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so full and free everybody ought to know everybody ought to know everybody ought to know who Jesus is. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000. Everybody ought to know. Praise your name, Jesus. Lord, we love you today and we thank you so very much for your spirit, your anointing that we feel in this place. Thank you for helping this poor man deliver your word. And I ask that every one of us, when we leave this room, we would leave here with renewed zeal to be a praiser and to thank God for salvation that we'd leave here, O oh Lord, determined to have a Thanksgiving day this year that truly honors the Lord. 
we bless you and we praise you. We ask you to go with us as we depart from this house and bring us back, O Lord, without the loss of a person. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen.